Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs. That includes live betting and fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Just head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome back to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and I'm sitting with Doug West. We're here to talk NBA playoffs. Not a lot of Timberwolves news, Doug, but there is the news that they're going after Tim Connolly, who's the Denver Nuggets president right now. And from my understanding, the only reason Tim Connolly's thinking of coming to Minnesota is because the offer is astronomically high. The money's really high. Do you have any thoughts on on that side of it? I don't know how much I want to go into it until it's a done deal, if it does become a done deal. But do you have any quick thoughts about replacing Sachin Gupta, who is the technically the vice president of basketball operations, but he's been the lead executive this season after Rosas left? What are your thoughts on that news well, breaking uh, the other day? Yeah, um, actually, that's the uh, first I've heard of it um, when you just brought it up there. Um, you know, and Sasha has done such a, a great job in taking over the reins and, and running the team um, throughout this season. Um, but, you know, Tim Connolly's also done a great job out in Denver. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. We'll see how it plays out, um, you know, but hopefully, uh, you know, Sasha can keep his, keep his spot. Yeah. I'm just interested to see what happens. It doesn't, it sounds like even if Connolly got brought in, Gupta isn't necessarily gone. Um, Connolly's been a good GM for for Denver, and he's done some good things. Like he drafted Jokic, he drafted Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., and also just like lower tier. Like he drafted Malik Beasley, he drafted um, Jared Vanderbilt, who have turned out right. to be solid players, um, and he got them in like value picks. But at the same time, it's a weird situation where Gupta's in. Basically, it's like sounds like oh, we'll keep Gupta as number one unless we can get someone better than him. But if we can't, then we'll just keep him. And it seems very in the open about that, which right. is just weird. I feel like it's a weird spot for him to be in. But again, nothing has, I mean, the initial report broke, but nothing really has come out since then. So we'll see if it happens. But my understanding, there's like ownership stake involved. Like they're offering okay. him a percentage of the ownership if he takes wow. the job, which I think... Maybe Masai Ujiri in Toronto has, has some, some ownership stake, but right. it's not a very common thing. Um, but obviously, that, I mean, that could make someone really, really rich, and that's a way for them to try to <laughs> entice him to come over. But we'll see what happens over the next – I'm sure within the next week we'll see if, if that happens or if it ends up that he turns it down. But 
Um, that was just one point about the Timberwolves, and that's pretty much the only the only Timberwolves news we have. I guess we can talk about Patrick Beverly getting oh, nine. Patrick Beverly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We haven't oh, talked since he went on oh, TV. Oh, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I forgot about that, and we'll kind of tie that into something. But I was gonna say Patrick Beverly. He received one first team all defensive vote and seven second team, so he was really far from making anything. He was the only Timberwolf to receive any any all defense votes. We're still waiting on the all NBA teams to be announced, and then Doug and I will kind of go back and look at what ours looked like from for the previous one. But let's talk about the end of the first round. I've been sick, so it's been, I don't know, what has it been? A week, week. two weeks, whatever, yeah, since we talked last. And we last time talked about, you know, what we thought was going to happen in the in the first round. And we... You were wrong. You were we, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we were wrong. We thought we were Phoenix wrong. was going to, you know, just take care of Dallas because we thought they were just the best team in basketball and they ended up going to a game seven and this is where Patrick Beverly gets tied in. They played really bad in the game seven. Like they just kind of gave up like really early on in the game. And then Patrick Beverly went on TV and talked a lot of, a lot of smack about it. Um, (laughs) Have you, can you say you've ever seen that type of effort in a game seven from a number one seed in, in, in any of your recollection of the NBA? Like I can't, I, remember a time not even even, even from an eight seed or like like that was the biggest disappointment i think i've ever seen in the playoffs yeah i was i was totally shocked at, at that performance um by the phoenix suns and you know we were shocked by the performance of the suns you know especially going home um getting beat down like that on your home court when when you're in a series where each team was winning at home, you know, Dallas had won those three games at home. Phoenix had won their games, you know, and it's really funny that, you know, Phoenix can go from beating Dallas by 30, you know, one night to lose them to them two days later to lose to them again. again. Yeah. By 30 again, which, which was, you know, which was, was very, very interesting, you know, and Dallas just did a, a great job of, of, you know, playing with house money, really. You're going into a game seven. You have nothing to lose. You're comfortable. Um, my thought looking at that game seven was, do you really want to have Luca in a game seven? Um, just watching the things that he's done internationally, um, you know, um, in the in the Olympics. Uh, you know, he is, he is a big-time player and big-time moments he loves. And then you, you look and you think about his whole career, He's played in these types of championships, you know, so when he was younger. Since he's um, like 13. Since 13, yes. I mean, he's played at this level. For 10 years. You know, he was just he was just chomping at the bit, enjoying every moment of it. And his supporting cast stepped up big time. I mean, Dinwiddie, um, I think he had 30 points that game um, or 20 something points that game. Uh, It was it was, you know, him, Brunson, um, you know, Luca. They just did an outstanding job and defensively. You know, they just made it tough on Phoenix, got physical, um, really physical with Chris Paul. Um, you know, I think they really shocked Dallas with those traps. I mean, shocked Phoenix with those traps yeah. on Booker. Um, and it was just a great game plan by by uh, by Jason Kidd. Yeah, I think that, yeah, Dinwiddie did score 30 in that game. But I, they, they the, the Sun scored 27 points in the first <laughs> half, 10 points total in the second quarter. 
And at that time, they just they just stopped. They did not try to keep playing. And Monty Williams did something by benching uh, DeAndre Ayton for, I think, the entire – I don't think Sorry. he stepped on the second half. I don't think he was on the court at all or maybe just to start. But he he barely played. And then he made a comment after the game that it's internal. internal so I wonder yes. if it's – if it was just like – that was just something he said, or if really something's been going on with him or what that looks like. But DeAndre Ayton is in a contract year. He's a right. you know a restricted free agent this summer. Phoenix could end up, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's gonna get offered the max from someone. Right. And if Phoenix didn't feel comfortable playing him in that game, or if there's something going on, they're not probably going to match that offer. Maybe they try and do some sort of sign and trade, but you're not gonna get as big a piece. This seems like a big shifting point for the Suns. Like this could have been, if something goes the wrong way, that could have been the end of their, their hopes. And that's just been two years of them together. So it was just a disappointing performance all around from everyone in that game. Um, nobody really played good. I think the leading <laughs> scorer was Cameron Johnson. He had 12 points. Right. Which yeah, is, that's interesting about the eight and thing. Um, and then the way they played in the second half as well. So, you, you, you know, sometimes you start to wonder if something went on, you know, as they said, internally behind the scenes in the locker room. Um, right. And it, it trickled, it trickled down and trickled out to the court for the second half. Uh, but, you know, they're professionals, guys, professionals. A lot of things happen in the NBA. You got to learn how to just push things aside and still go out there and compete um, to your best, best of your ability. Um and, you know, hopefully not lay an egg like that at home. Yeah, for sure. But I just can't, I don't know, I can't get over how bad it was. But they, the Dallas Mavericks did win. They moved on to the second round. The other rounds that we, uh, or the other uh, matchups in the second round that we talked about were uh, Boston and Milwaukee. And we, I think we both picked Milwaukee to win that one. I don't remember for sure. <clears throat> But no, we talked think, about that being the coin flip one. I think what happened was I picked, I picked, uh, personally, I picked Phoenix in Milwaukee to go to the championship. Um, so we know that's not happening. But I think when we said about that game seven, I know as I started watching Boston play, um, I just became so in tune with them and how they played defensively. And I think that, you know, we talked about that seventh game, but I, I think I, I, I finally went with Boston. Um, as my selection uh, but again another great <laughs> series I mean I mean that's the know. one we said was like the coin like coin flip. It was, this... and it turned out to be that way they went to seven um, I think it became clear that Milwaukee outside of Chris Middleton really has no wings that are like good enough for these moments mm -hmm. and it puts a lot on Drew Holiday and Giannis and your Grayson Allens and and those guys just aren't enough on the wing there. Um, so they really miss Chris Middleton in that series. But I still don't know if they would have won the series if right. Middleton was there. Obviously, it gives them a better chance. But yeah, Boston just played fantastic basketball in that game seven, too, which was um, cool to see because, yeah, of course, you know, Milwaukee has been really dominant. It's awesome if they would have tried to go back to back. But it's also cool to see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown after the tough start they had to the, this mm -hmm. season. Right. Everybody questioning if they would, if they can work together, if you need to trade them. They turned it around midseason, had the best defense for the rest of the year. 
And now they're, you know, in the Eastern conference finals and playing good basketball. So I think that part has been, um, nice to see. They, I mean, they kind of like put it to Milwaukee in game seven too. They won by almost 30, which is, it's crazy that both our game sevens were not close. They weren't close at all. Not close. And, you know, Boston did it on their home court. They, they, they went there and, and they held home court, but if I'm not mistaken, they went to Milwaukee and won game six as well. Um, I think they had to go back to back after losing game five, after losing game five at home and, you know, stepping up, you know, Tatum stepped up, I think was 46 in game five at Milwaukee. And then, you know, he comes back in game seven and they just have a a lights out performance um, by the whole team. Um, And Boston is just, uh, they're they're playing some really, really good basketball right now. Yeah. And, and that keep even shows going into into the second round. The other two matchups we can talk about was uh, Golden State and Memphis. I think it was pretty clear that Golden State was just the better team. They ended up closing it out in in six games there. Do you have any thoughts on that series? I mean, Memphis obviously without John Morant, it's a you know you're missing your best player, but at the same time they have played really good without him. Right. Um, I think it would have been crazy if they would have won the series without John Morant. Then I, I think there would have been some questions to be asked. I don't know if they would be legitimate questions to be asked, but John wasn't there. So then I think Golden State just totally overmatched for Memphis there and just way overpowered. Um, they won it in six. Um, any thoughts on that series? Yeah, it was it was uh, another one of those series where you know. Uh, I thought Golden State had to close that game out in game six because they had just got blown off the court in game five, um, you know, in Memphis. Uh, and they, they played an outstanding game. And, you know, you have to give uh, Golden State credit because they went and they adjusted their lineup. They threw Looney in there for game six. I think he went for a 20-20 game that, that, that game and just, uh, you know, helped them close out that series in, in six because going back to Memphis for a game seven, I think would have been a difficult situation. Um, um, for Golden State. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, they didn't want to do that, regardless of if Ja was there. I think that you're back at home, you have all that momentum of, we don't have our best player, but we're still we're still here in Game 7. So I think it was a good adjustment for Steve Kerr to play Kevon Looney during, during that game um, because he did, I mean, I think you're right. I think he did have 20, 20-something points and 20 maybe it was just, maybe no it was, it was 22 rebounds it was four <laughs> points but it was 22 like 22 rebounds, rebounds yeah. which is it's crazy that he got 11 offensive rebounds <laughs> and scored four points right no like no putbacks kick yeah. it back out man kick it, kick it out for threes <laughs> but that that was a dominant performance on the glass there from him and then the last series we haven't talked about yet was miami versus um, philadelphia philadelphia and that was tough. Joel Embiid obviously missed the beginning of that series with his facial facial fracture. He was also dealing with a hand injury. You made it to one of those games, right? Or two of those right. games? Yep. One. Went to one a game. Which game was that again? I think it was game three. Game okay. three. It was yeah, because it was the it was the return of the mask. Oh yeah. So you you saw his first game. Back. Return of the mass, yes. So Miami ended up winning that series four to two, and we thought that would be tough if Joel Embiid wasn't playing, because um, Miami went out and won the first two games. Embiid came back for game three, 
and they won game three and game four, tied it back up. And then Miami went and won games uh, five and six. I need to ask you, how are you feeling about James Harden in Philadelphia right now? Because <laughs> he clearly isn't the same player that he was in Houston during his heyday, winning the MVP and all that. It seems like he's a different type of player, a lot more of a facilitator, less of a scoring guard, still obviously scores, but he's not scoring 30 something points a game like he did in Houston. What's the overall, because you live in Philadelphia, what's the overall thoughts of James Harden after seeing him for, you know, half this season um, into the playoffs? How are fans feeling about him there? I think the fans, uh, they're, they're in, they, they like the James Harden, the Harden trade. They like what James brings to the team. I think a lot of people were thinking that he was going to come in and be the Houston James Harden. Right. Um, you know, when they first got him, oh, this guy's going to come in, we're going to run pick and roll, and James is going to score at will and get to the foul line, and, and Joe's going to be able to do his things. And it started out that way. Um, but as as the season progressed and it went along, I think you, you realize the Sixers needed, needed a few more pieces. Um, you know, they just – James couldn't break people down one-on-one and get by them. Um, teams started just building those walls and loading to him and, and making him pass the ball to guys who just weren't making shots. Um, so, you know, game three guys made shots. Um, I think Danny Green, you know, went crazy and made shots that game. Um, game four, some guys, you know, made shots. But uh, five and six, uh, they were just two, two very bad games. Um, you know, five in, in Miami, um, they got beat pretty good. And then coming back in game six and, and laying an egg at home. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the biggest concern I think uh, people have with the James Harden thing right now is, they're still talking about giving him that supermax, right? And uh, people are saying making sixty million at thirty-seven just doesn't sound sound right, right? And I and the thing about him, you know, not being able to maybe blow past his defender and things like that. I mean, he is thirty-two years old. You know, some guys when they have had that much usage in their career, like he's been a high volume player. You know, you just eventually your body does slow down a little bit. And he doesn't have quite as much burst. Not that he was ever a super athletic bursty player, but he had enough finesse and enough um, skill to get by guys. And a little bit of that's going away, but I think he's still a very good player. He's one of the best at getting his teammates open, finding open shots for them. But yeah, the super max that is that seems, I mean, I can almost see it now. He signs it has two more solid years. Then he starts to go downhill and there's three years left in that contract. And it's going to be like the John wall situation where it's, right. we got this guy for John walls is like 40 something million, I think. But yeah, that just seems like an astronomical amount of money to give someone that you're not sure he's not going to get better. I don't think, you know, like, uh, I don't yes. think he's going to, re- there's no way he returns to that form that you might've hoped he had. So that seems like a tough deal, but at the same time, you kind of got to pay him. Otherwise somebody else is probably going to pay him. So it's that tough situation. Kind of like, I guess, kind of like the Aiton situation, but different um, in the fact that Aiton still is young and has room to grow. Harden is kind of on the other side of the, of the line there. That's a tough one. I don't know if I was Philadelphia, what I would do. You can try <laughs> to do some sort of sign and trade when sign and trades happen though. You don't 
one, you have to like send out that amount of money. Right. So if James Harden's contract's 50 something million, you got to make up at least most of that money to be able to do that. And uh, the second part is you don't get as much talent in return. In return. Yeah. I mean, like Golden State sign and trade with Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, they got D'Angelo Russell. We'll talk about talent gap there. Like, right. yeah, you got a solid player, but you're not getting equal value right. at all. So I don't know what Philadelphia is going to do there, but it's a tough spot to be in because that is a huge, huge contract to give to someone that you're not sure how well he's going to perform and he's going to be 37 by the end of it. Yeah. Well, I definitely think, well, we know, or he would be crazy. I think he's going to, he has a player option at 47 million uh, for next year. So I think he's, you know, he's going to take the player option and then we'll see what goes, what happens from there. Uh, you know, it's still, it's still an interesting situation there um, because like you said, I mean, he's, he's still, I mean, I think he averaged 20, 22 and, 10 assists and maybe 22, 10 and eight. I mean, I mean, those are great. numbers. <laughs> those are great numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough to say that. I mean, it's tough to complain about a guy putting up those stats like, yes, in retrospect, still a top 15 player in the league, but you just have to take into account all that when it goes in, I'm sure he will accept the player option. It'll be interesting to see if Philadelphia tries to move him on that, uh, uh, but I don't I think, think- I don't think they're going to. I'm just more interested to see when the contract's up, what type of extension he does get, and if he if he does get it in Philadelphia, because that's uh I mean, that's crazy. It's a crazy number to to pay someone. Um, so we covered all four series. Now we got two, obviously the conference finals are happening right now. Boston Miami are tied up one one. Uh, In game one of that series, Jimmy Butler had a great game and um, the Celtics played really well in the first half. And then it kind of went down and then they came back a little bit at the end there. Um, And then game two kind of flipped the script. Uh, Marcus Smart had a fantastic game. Um, 24 points, I think nine rebounds, 12 assists or 12 assists or 12 rebounds, nine assists, one of the way, almost a triple double. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown showed up again too. They showed up in game one, uh, just didn't get the win. They showed up in game two, but Jimmy played really well in game two, but he got no help from any of his, <laughs> uh, teammates. Cause I think he had like 29. So he played fine. And then it was like Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo were next with 14 Tyler hero only scored 11. Bam was like a non-factor on the offensive side. What's your overall thoughts on, on this series? Obviously it's tied up. Um, Miami does have home court advantage. How, I mean, had home court advantage. Now Boston has kind of stolen home court advantage. How are you feeling about this series? Where do you think it'll, how long do you think it'll go? Who do you think might end up on top after it's all said and done? Yeah. I, I thought that the biggest, um, question going into game two was you know at the time was is smart going to be able to play because I didn't think um you know game one both smart and Al Horford were out um and then game two comes and smart's back and Horford's back uh so they had their they had their lineup um you know they had their rotations in uh put people back in their in their proper places and they just came out and played the way that 
I expect the Boston Celtics to play um, the way they've been playing. Um, you know, Marcus Smart setting the tone on the defensive end. Um, you know, these guys moving the ball, playing with toughness, um, you know, really, really helping each other, um, being a solid team. And they just made it uh, hard, very hard on, on uh, Miami. Um, I think in two point, in two games, I think I saw today that Hero and Bam have combined for 45 points in the two games. And Butler has 70 points. Now, Kyle Lowry's out. Um, you know, you have some you have some guys that have have been down. So he really hasn't had that support. And what happened to Duncan Robinson? Is he is he just not allowed to play anymore or what? They just gave him a big contract last year. I know um, that's and this that's guy goes. Uh, <laughs> he's not I don't know if all. it's like I don't know if it's like Struess is just Max Struess is just right more effective on defense or something. I don't mm -hmm. I haven't really paid attention to that specific storyline but that is something because Duncan Robinson not that he got a max but he got I think like got 18 million or 15 million? yeah I think it was 90 million years. over like five years yeah so that's like 18 yeah, a year so. so that's that's a big I mean that's a big payday for somebody <laughs> sitting on your bench I mean the Tim Wolves have yes. had it before too where guys have been paid that much and not really useful but not like out of the rotation I mean not useful not even there which is it is interesting I wonder if we'll see him if they go down you know, next game two one. Um, if we see Coach Spolstra, you know, break glass in case of emergency, throw him out there and hope he can <laughs> knock down eight threes. I I don't that that's a that's a steep fall off for someone right after they got paid, which is uh interesting that we saw that. Um, so I'm interested to see if he does play at all in the series anymore. Cause he I don't think he's gotten a minute. Um, maybe in game two after. Okay, he did play 14 minutes in game two, but yeah. I mean, they were down for most of that game too. They were probably trying to do, you know, something trying to get to searching something for started. something. So I'll be interested to see if game three he plays at all, if he's more in the rotation, um, and then moving on through the series. Let's look at the other side, the Western Conference Finals. We have Golden State and Dallas, who are, if you would ask me at the beginning of the year if those two teams would be in the <laughs> conference finals, I probably would have said no. Um, I wouldn't have maybe want, I could have seen <clears throat> Golden State possibly if everything fell right. And really it hasn't necessarily fallen right. They've just played good basketball and been able to make it there. So that series is a 2-0 series. Golden State has, they took care of business yesterday to go up 2-0. And then they took care of business um, in game one. Also, both games haven't been necessarily close. Game two, they won by nine, but um and they actually had to take that over in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't right. like a back and forth battle the whole time. They kind of uh, took it over and then it was uh, a win from there on out. But Luca played really, really, um, I shouldn't say really bad. He didn't play great in game one. He was more, he was uh, more limited 27 and four game two comes out. And it's crazy. They won the game that he didn't, or sorry, they lost the game by a lot that they didn't play well. They come back in game two. Luca plays really well. He scores 42 points and Jalen Brunson plays well, but they still don't win. And that I think is the concerning part. If you're a Mavs fan is you got 42 points from Luca and 31 <laughs> points from Brunson in game two, and you still weren't able to close out a game. 
I don't know how much, and I doubted Dallas in the last series. I don't want to doubt it too much. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking but the same thing. <laughs> I, I don't know what they can do to get enough. They didn't get much from Spencer Dinwiddie in game two. He only scored four points. They didn't get a lot from either of their bigs in Kleber or Powell. But Reggie Bullock still gave him 21 points. And like I said, Luca and Jalen Brunson played really well. What, what do they need to beat this Golden State team? Or are they just not going to be able to beat this Golden State team? Well, if we look back to the Phoenix series, it looks like all they need is some home cooking. I mean, you know, it seems like once these, once these guys get back to Dallas, actually, that's where I am right now. Once they get back to Dallas, uh, it seems like they just, they just come out and they, they just, you know, play, play totally different team. I mean, last night they have a big lead. Um, you know, again, NBA, you know, you look at big leads early, you always say, let's see where it is in the fourth quarter, um, you know, or let's see where it is at halftime. You know, at halftime, it's 14 points. 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, halftime up 14 points, which is nothing in the league. Um, you know, it's just, that's just, you know, and, and the grind of the game, um, you know, Jason Kidd, you know, I, I was listening to the news this morning. He's he's going off about their shot selection in the third quarter where they were, I think it's two for 13 from three. Um, yeah, they they really 13 points total in that. They really that lived on the three point shot, 21 for 45. Um, and what's really interesting, and I saw this last night during the game, that Golden State scored 62 points in the paint. So 60. They're not points. a team that has a big dominant paint present you know like they're big right exactly draymond so it's a lot of cutting slashing cutting offensive rebounds not well looney did looney did get 20 last night so he he did he did i think he had 20 last night but 12 rebounds 21 points this is just a a, a, that's not their game amazing game not their game at all you know and they basically they live by the two and dallas died by the three um you know so I think Dallas is going to stay the same. Um, they're still going to shoot their threes. Um, and I think it just seems like defensively at home, they, they found something against Phoenix. And we'll see what happens uh, in game three. But Golden State is a very um, veteran playoff team. I mean, they have guys who have been there. Um, right. They've been in these, you know, you know, you look all the way back to that game five in Memphis where they get blown out and they go home and win that game six. They've been in these situations before where they know how to close it out. And they have guys, um, you know, they're, they're all back. them Guys that have been there and um, they're able to do so. Yeah, and it's, it's good they got Otto Porter back. I think that he's been a big part of, of their recipe, I guess, for success in the playoffs. He's just another body they can put on Luka, who is right. a little bit stronger than, than Andrew Wiggins. Luka's not super quick, so Otto Porter's able to – I mean, he's a little bit older, not the same type of player he was a few years ago, but he's able to stay in front of Luca a little bit too. So I think that's been good that he's been able to come back. Um, Wiggins has played solid defense at times. It's hard. I mean, you see the big scoring outbursts and you think, you know, Luca's still doing what he's doing. But at the same point, if they're winning games, it doesn't really matter if Luca scores 80 points or if he scores 12 right. points, the win is a win. So my question for you is looking at this whole playoffs. A lot of times in the playoffs, it seems to come down to which teams have the best player. So I wonder who do you think is the best player playing the best basketball right now 
that's left in these two conference finals? Who are the best players in each conference? Because you look over on in the Western Conference side, it looks to be Steph Curry and Luca. And where would you go between those two? Who is the who's playing the best basketball right now in the Western Conference? <clears throat> Well, I, I first I'll answer your question, but I look at it a little differently. Um, I don't look at it as the best player um, in the playoffs. I look I go to which team is able to execute the best in a half court situation, um, because, again, when it gets down to th this type, this time of the year, everybody is seeing the other teams play. There's so much film. There's so much information. It really comes down to being able to execute your offense because you know where the ball's going um, right. most times. So you have to find a way to get those players open. So, you know, of, of the players in the, in those, um, in those uh, games, you know, Luca and Steph, I mean, I mean, it's no question. I'd have, go, I'd have to go with Steph. I'd have to go with Steph right now. Um, and it's no question know. all time. Obviously it's Steph. Like Steph is at this point in their career, Steph is like, way ahead right. of Luca in accomplishments and player. And, um, but I think it's an argument right now over in the Eastern conference side, I guess I'll say, I think Luca's probably playing better basketball, especially if you look at the body of work during the regular season. I think Steph didn't play. I mean, played really good basketball, but not like the level we've seen Steph Curry play basketball. Okay. Before. So hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going whole season. Now you went back to the whole season. Well, I thought I'm just you were saying, just saying in the, I thought you were just saying in these in these games okay, um, in that these, we have going on right now. If we're talking just the series, I would say series, Steph. this series. Yes. If we're talking playoffs, I would say Luca. Yes, I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, but this series specifically, Steph has been playing better than Luca. Right. Even though Luca did, I mean, he scored the most points out of anyone so far, right. but Steph has been the most consistent and he has played the best basketball, I think, in this series. But the right. whole playoffs, I, was going I would the give series. it to Luca. Okay. I, Eastern I Conference, if we go for just the series between Boston and Miami. Gotcha. Who are you? I mean, I think it's between Jason Tatum, Tatum and Jimmy, and, but, Jimmy and, Butler. Who do you think that is going to – like, who would you say has been playing better between the two in this series? Because I kind of think it might that's be Butler. A good one. I think it, I'm thinking it's Butler too. I'm thinking I think it's Butler, Butler too, but it's, probably it's, been, it's, it's really close. But I think if you go all of the playoffs, both conferences, I think Jimmy Butler has been the best player in the entire playoffs. He has been playing mm -hmm. really good basketball. He's been missing guys in his team. He's had guys in his team right. not showing up and he's still in the Eastern conference finals. Their team is tied and they still have a chance to go to the finals. I think Jimmy Butler's been playing the best basketball of anybody in the entire playoffs this year, which is, I mean, we've seen, we've seen that before when they were in the bubble, they went to the finals. We've seen Jimmy Butler do that. Um, but it's been really impressive to see it. This specific series, I think it's been Butler, but not by a lot. I think Jason Tatum in this series has played, played really well. Even when they lost game one, I think he is, uh, he's done a really good job. I, I have to, you know, now as we talk about the playoffs, you know, and I'm thinking here, you know, if you look at the whole playoffs, I mean, Jason Tatum, I mean, he's gone through, you know, Kevin Durant had to take them out, take, took them out in four, and he, he put up big numbers. 
Um, you know, uh, Giannis took them out in seven. He put up big numbers uh, yeah. there as well. And then these these two games. So, you know, that that one right there is it's a it's really it's a neck. It's a really close race now that I, that I really think about it. Um, but I'm not, you know, disagreeing with you because Butler has been outstanding. I mean, he had a great first first round, uh, you know, great second round. And now he's in the conference conference finals. Yeah. And I, I don't think like there's a wrong answer between those two, but right. it's just interesting to think of like who excuse me, is playing the best basketball right now. Um, I got another question for you, kind of a similar question. We know when series get close, a lot of what comes down to them is the the ability to make adjustments as coaches. And we saw that last series um, with Golden State putting Kevon Looney and Steve Kerr doing that. Um, Who do you think is the best coach remaining I mean, I guess we could go each matchup, but also just overall best coach remaining in these playoffs. Because we got some great coaches. Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. Udoka in Boston has been doing a fantastic job this year. Steve Kerr is one of the most accomplished coaches in the league. And then Jason Kidd is a not a new head coach, but in a new role, hasn't been a head coach for a couple of years. And he made some great adjustments in last series also. So who's been coaching the best basketball this this playoffs out of those four remaining coaches that's i think it's a tough question i don't even know i don't know if i have an answer because i just thought of the question myself but i think they've all been doing a fantastic job yeah that was a good one to throw on me since you just thought of it um but it was a great question i'm going to say i've been uh, impressed with all of them and i agree with everything you said there about their their level of coaching Um, jason kidd we did not expect to be here um, no. I, I did not expect Dallas to be here. He's made he made some great adjustments to knock off. You know, everyone looked at looked at Phoenix going into this. You know, number one seed, best record in the league. You know, Dallas. You know, they're going to go through Dallas. They go up 2-0 early. Um, we, re- we write them off and they end up winning the series. Now they're in the conference finals. So I'm going to go with Jason Kidd. Yeah, I think that's a great reasoning for that answer too. He and I think what's interesting about Dallas is they made the Kristaps Porzingis trade earlier this year. And I mean, I thought it, I didn't think that was a good trade for them. I didn't, I mean, Davis Bertans has not been playing good basketball in Washington this year. Spencer Dinwiddie was hit or miss too, Um, but it's worked out really good for them. Jason Kidd has found a way to make, I mean, lineups with Dinwiddie Brunson and, and Luca work, you know, three guard lineups. I mean, those guys aren't small guards, but they're still, I mean, Brunson is, but the other two aren't small guys. And he's done a fantastic job. And no, like you said, he went up, the odds were kind of stacked against them. Obviously they were the four seed playing the five seed in the first round, but the five seed was Utah, who was a really solid team. Then they go out and they beat uh, Phoenix. Obviously they're down right now in the conference finals, but Jason Kidd has been doing a great job. I think Udoka has been doing a really fantastic job. Also, if you think back to round one against Brooklyn and the defense that he threw at Kevin Durant, just having his guys play physical with them, getting up in them. I think that was really, really impressive. And then coaching his guys to, to beat the reigning champs in the second round was also, also really good, but you can't, I mean, you can't discount, Eric Spolstra, who has had a lot of success. You can't discount Steve Kerr, who also has had a lot of success. So there's, there's really good coaches left in, uh, 
in the playoffs. And if I think about that from like a Timberwolves perspective, I think the Wolves have a good coach. I'm not saying he's on the level of Spolstra and Kerr and those guys, but like it's the first time since I've been old enough to even think about like the coaching aspect of the NBA where I feel confident in the Timberwolves coach to be able to scheme against someone. And we saw Finch make some good adjustments in the first round. Um, but I guess it just gives me confidence that, you know, our guy's not that far behind these other coaches that are, you know, got their teams in the conference finals. So that part gives me a little bit of confidence, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, Finch did, did an outstanding job and, you know, you, you hit it uh, right on the head there. All four coaches have had um, outstanding series, have had outstanding seasons. I mean, you, you look back, you think about Adoka, uh, they were, trying to get Tatum and Brown got to split them up at the beginning of the season because they weren't winning and what he's done with that team throughout the year after, after uh, January and, you know, Spolstra uh, great, great adjustments in, in his series. Yeah. And Steve Kerr, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great actually that when you think about it now, you have some really, really good coaches in this right now. Yeah. You for, you for sure do. Do you have any other thoughts? I guess we should talk about before we, Hop off. How you think these series are going to go? I mean, like we said, Dallas is down 2-0 and the yeah, Miami I, and Boston are tied. Our prediction, yeah, I, I mean, the Phoenix prediction didn't work very good last time. <laughs> Do we bet against Dallas again? Or I think I'm going, um, to be honest, I think I'm going Golden State in that one. Um, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be as confident now and say it's going to end in four or five. Like Dallas might make some adjustments when they're to a home. It might go to seven, but I think Golden State is going to win that series. And if I had to go to the Miami-Boston one, I picked them at the beginning before the series started. Um, just in my mind, I picked Boston, so I think I'm going to stick with Boston in that one. But I think that one's probably – I mean, I think that's going seven. I, I really think kind of like that Milwaukee-Boston series. It's kind of a coin flip, so I think they're going to go seven games there. But I think Boston does come out on top. Yeah, I, I'm, I think the same way that you're thinking. Um, I think Boston's going to come out on top. You know, I said that um, earlier that they're my they're my pick right now to win it all. Um, you know, and, you know, you could have a Boston. And a, I think Golden State's just – they just have too many pieces. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we keep I keep saying, you know, Dallas, they're going to come home. They're going to play a game tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, we'll probably talk next week, and it's 2-2. Two, two, and it's like, oh. They're, they're back in this again. And, um, but I just, I really think golden state just has too many, too many pieces. And, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to a Boston golden state final. Yeah. I think, I think that's what's going to be. And if that is the case, or if that's not the case, we'll talk about why it, why it <laughs> went that way or why it didn't go that way. And then we'll break that down too. But I think that's all we got today. Unless you have any other big topics, I don't, I mean, no, only much- only big topic I just I just wanted to finish off is, is is our boy Pat Beverly just he came in this week and he turned he he had me sitting in front of get up and first take for four which hours never watch yeah which you know well I actually watch them I do I am a watcher of of those shows um and it was just it was just uh, great to see TV and so honest so straightforward. And he's 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 going to make a, a little career out for himself right there yeah. after he's done. <laughs> I bet they. I bet ESPN's working on that contract. Oh, I bet right you now, already. He. It was entertaining. I mean, even if you don't agree with what he's doing, that was or what he was saying. That was. I mean, 
he's got the personality for it. Mm-hmm. He's got, um, he's not afraid to say what he thinks. And sometimes ESPN doesn't like to hire people who aren't afraid to say what they think, but he's been, uh, yeah, it was a joy to watch. I didn't watch it live. I was at work, but I saw right. all the good clips, you know, on Twitter. And yeah, I mean, he said some, he said some things, but he, uh, it was an interesting, uh, I'll say that it was an interesting morning slash afternoon <laughs> of Patrick Beverly on ESPN. But yeah, like you said, he's honest, straightforward, and just really entertaining. So I could definitely see that uh, panning out for him as a post NBA career. Cause he, yes. I think him and JJ Reddick did a good job too. And they're, I mean, they're oh, close. Yeah, they so did. it's not like they're good friends. They are. Yes. So they uh, really, I think they worked well together. So if we get a, we can get a show with those two. I think that would be, I think that'd be cool because those guys definitely, um, I think they feed off each other well, which was really cool to, to watch too. And it's just cool to see Timberwolves on stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. you never had guys from the Timberwolves on ESPN like doing things like that. I want to see, I want to see Anthony Edwards on there and see what what he would say because he was on Instagram oh, talking about <laughs> Memphis and how they went down to Golden State and he was or not sorry not Memphis. Phoenix and just clowning them too on online. So yeah, I definitely, definitely want to see uh, more of Patrick Beverly on, on national TV like that. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that was, it was, it was great to see him. And, uh, you know, lastly, let's, uh, you know, make sure cat cat gets better. So he went through some surgeries, uh, you know, so yeah. uh, he had, had a lot of stuff fixed up there. So yeah, it just sounds like just well. like little, just little minor stuff, but um, yeah, getting his maintenance done. Right. But yeah, I think everybody, they saw the pictures and they're like, oh, maybe he was going through a little bit of things. So, I mean, I guess you can't, I would never, Cat plays through a lot of, I mean, he plays hurt a lot with like little, not big stuff, but like he always has these little things and he broke his wrist. He's playing through broken wrists last season. Um, But yeah, hopefully he does. Hopefully everything goes well with that. Um, Doesn't sound like anything major, but yeah, nothing major. Just, you know, just wish him well. For sure. Well, I think that's all we got, Doug. So thanks. Beautiful. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. He's Doug West, and we will be back soon to keep breaking down these NBA playoffs. Peace, Peace. out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.